Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So hello and welcome to Charlton Live. It's yet another lockdown podcast for you. My name is Louis Mendez and we've got a packed phone line as we get ready to get our teeth stuck into some of the issues of the day. Uh, first up, let's bring in the grand old man of Charlton Live. It's Terry Smith. How are you doing, Tell? Hi, thank you, Louis. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How's your week been? Are you all gearing up for a barbecue or something? <laughs> Actually, no, we probably will. We haven't made any plans, to be fair. It's, yeah. uh, it's, one of the, it's that type of uh, situation we're in, we just get up and... Uh, you can't really plan for anything, just see what a day brings and uh, how it feels. So, uh, yeah, we might do it. Actually. Now, yeah. now you put the idea in my head, I yeah. probably will. Well, that's because that's what we're doing later, because we got sent off like, our first ever barbecue. I had to put it together last night, so that's what we're doing tonight. So, I'm looking forward to it. So, you, you, put, you put it together, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I know. Gas explosion in Sig Cup reported soon <laughs> after this podcast goes to air. Uh, who else have we got on to? Uh, we've got Mr. Benji Cloak. How you doing, Ben? Yes, Louie, all good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. You've, you've been uh, you've been down the training ground spying on them, haven't you? Yeah, I had a look, saw what they was doing, but um, they had to maybe spy on me because I played a bit of foot golf, so maybe <laughs> get in the team after my performance. Oh well, it sounds. Well, I heard you came last in that, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that another day. And finally, uh, we've got uh, Lewis the cat cat on the phone. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for coming on. How's your week been? It been all right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I just got back from an 11-mile run, which I'm starting to think that was a massive mistake because I can't move. Did you get lost? No, no, no. (laughs) Just went, set out to do a certain route and then uh, about halfway round thought, why am I doing this? Yeah, good idea. Right, okay. (laughs) Well, let's have a look at some of the stuff we'll be chatting about uh, this week. Then, of course, uh, with the takeover I, I can't remember a show where we haven't talked about takeover rumors in the last five years but uh, there are more takeover rumors so we'll try and delve into that try and find out what's going on uh, at the club in terms of that sort of stuff uh, we're going to hear from heather mckinley from the supporters trust as the uh, the, the supporters trust uh, revealed their our club campaign this week they launched it so we'll discuss that with her um, and then we'll have a quick break and then we'll talk more about the football side I don't know if it's just me but it just it's starting to sound a bit more positive that we might actually play a bit of football again you know this time last week I was convinced we wouldn't but I don't know it seems it seems like we might so we're going to hear from Lee Bayer and Jason Pierce as the players uh, have returned to a form of training this week uh, and we'll discuss how we can see the season uh, playing out but first things first let's go into the, these takeover rumors we've been hearing then Terry um Obviously, everything's still very much up in the air. There's, there's, yeah, as is the way with these things on social media. There's been people predicting that it's going to happen tomorrow or yesterday and whatever. But I mean, we, we've we've seen names strongly linked now, and in particular, Hugh Jenkins, the former Swansea man. Uh, I mean, he's he's had his name linked, and f- well, from the outside, I mean, you see a man who, who who did a good job at Swansea. Obviously, it ended quite bitterly between him and the Swansea fans but from the outside a man who's done a good job uh, who seems to have his head screwed on so you'd be wondering why on earth he'd be thinking of taking over Charlton <laughs> yeah 
and uh, and you said it's uh, the way takeovers go. Certainly, the way Charlton takeovers seem to go. Nothing, nothing's ever easy, is it? Nothing's ever straightforward. And and looking at the way that uh, the deal was uh, organised with um, Southall and Namir with uh, De Chatelain, the way they've uh, managed to get us into this situation, you, you you do wonder why anybody would be mad enough to try and unpick all that. But um, Hugh Jenkins, as you say, is a football man, so if it is him and he does come through, but you, you know, because he's a football man and he seems quite sensible, um, he's quite rightly not just jumping in with two feet, as he said. He's got to unpick what's, uh, what the situation we're in. He's got to know what uh, what division we're in, so as he knows what he's dealing with. And I'm wondering if that's a little bit of negotiation, perhaps, because um, if he takes over ESI's got to take over the deal that they've arranged with uh, our, our Belgian friend. Um, and, uh, and he's got to cough up 50 million in five years' time or whatever it is. So <clears throat> he might be just doing this with about the division and, uh, and the situation with crowds, etc. Maybe just putting that in place to renegotiate. Who knows? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's interesting the way it's played out this week. I mean, because as is often the way with... with, with uh, tabloid journalism you know the, the story was put out that it was going to happen this week um ben and then obviously thing i mean particularly in the situation Cholton are in you don't expect any t- takeover to be a you know i mean i think he i think uh hugh jenkins admitted he'd been talking for a while to to the owners but you don't expect any, any anything to be turned around in about even even five or six weeks because of how complicated the mess is behind the scenes at Cholton. Yeah, I think as um, as Terry just said, like these things, we've we've been used to Roland being the owner, and and that took a while for him to to take over. I remember the rumours about that, and now we're at a time where everything's up in the air. Will we actually get playing? As you said, it looks a lot more positive that we might get playing now. So, because if we're not going to play, then it will it looks like we will get relegated. Um, but then if we do play, I think we've got a good chance with a fully fit squad. So he's got to stand back and, and watch the proceedings at the moment to see what will happen. Um, I don't know if Nima is going to accept a lower offer um, if we do get relegated. So it's so much stuff to, mm. to look at. But he is looking more positive. As you said, he's a, he's a football man. Um, which he's got good experience in the game. He, he looked like he did well with Swansea. I know some of their fans weren't saying some great things about him, but it's surely got to be better than what we've had so far. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting when you talk about Tanun accepting a lower offer, but I mean, a- any offer for the club in its current state is is bizarre, really, because the club is worthless. You know, it was, it was purchased for a pound uh, just a few months ago, wasn't it, Lewis? So... I imagine it's more with Hugh. It, 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 he's he's taking a step back and seeing what what proceeds because he doesn't know what in what state the business is going to be in. He he said himself um, he's been looking for a while to find the right opportunity and spoken to Cholton. Uh, you know, there's obviously lots of lots of good things, but there's problems to overcome. You know, um, in in terms of you think about the the fact that the club doesn't own the ground, the, the, the extra complications with the ex-directors' loans and their legal challenge that's going through at the moment. Um, and, of course, as we know, the fact that there is going to be no fans in a football stadium for a while, at least, uh, and we don't know what division we're going to be in, Lewis. So anything, all of those, throws spanners into the work, which would, would make it very confusing as to why a sensible businessman would want to jump on board before they know how a lot of these things are going to transpire. Yeah, and the thing is, the, the amount of hurdles that there are as well, and, and given that that Hugh Jenkins has got a track record, it kind of you look at it, and you think 
how, is he really going to make the jump now and rush into purchasing the club? Because you know, as you mentioned, we don't know what what division we're going to be in. You know, if the if the season plays on, we've got every chance of staying in the division. But if it comes to it and they think it's too dangerous and it ends and we go down on points per game, then there's you know the loss of revenue for dropping into League One. As, and you know we don't know when we're going to be allowed to go and, and uh, have any gate receipts with supporters in stadiums uh, with the with the pandemic going on. There's the ex director loans. There's the, and as you say the, the the sort of the liability to own the valley and the training ground that's going to be paid off in in five years or whatever. And it's fifty five million or something. There's a there's a lot there. You know on on face value there are a hell of a lot of things to to work out before he would commit and. And as you say, like any any sort of purchase of the club is going to be a profit to Tanun because they purchased it for a pound. So ideally, you know, I think that Hugh Jenkins coming in with a million, I think it's reported, it's a sensible offer from his side to purchase a club with the stature of Charlton because you only have to look away from the mess that what we actually have as a as a structure. We have a Premier League worthy stadium. We have a great training ground, a great academy. Uh, a great, you know, a good squad, a great young manager. There's a lot of things that that are attractive about owning Charlton. It's just that there are all these, all these sort of hurdles in the way that have been been put there by owner, you know, by Roland de Chatelet, by by Tanoon in, in in such a short space of time over the sort of a six year period that it's become that little bit less appealing. And do I think that will affect it going forward? I, Potentially, because if you're a sensible businessman, then you're going to want to wait and see, at the very least, what division we're in next season, and, and if they maybe announce when supporters can be expected to go back into games, because that's a lot of revenue for a football club, especially in the lower echelons of the football league. If we get relegated, um, and then maybe make the decision on that. I think that any any sensible businessman would do that. So I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying not to get too excited, but it, it is kind of refreshing to see somebody with, you know, experience in owning an English you know, a football club in the English division being linked with our football club. When when Tanoon and Matt Southall came through, we knew very little about Matt Southall from the Bolton and Berry stuff, but we knew absolutely nothing about Tanoon Amir and we kind of judged him on that, that he was this Middle Eastern businessman and kind of expected that he would pump millions upon millions upon millions into the football club. But I think we've realised now that that isn't everything and all we want is a little bit of stability and somebody who can come in and keep us, you know, keep our heads above water and, and make us at least, at the very least, competitive in the championship, and then and then push on from there. Mm, yeah, certainly. I mean, of course, Terry, that Hugh Jenkins won't be the only person out there who who's had interest in the club. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the time you get people who are probably operating slightly under the radar, and and you know, and, and there'll be various different levels of of how uh, successful they could be at Cholton. But I mean, it's there there will be plenty of people interested in the club over the course of this time because it is an opportunity if you can get over these complications to as Lewis says to run a club that's got plenty of potential absolutely yes um, I mean I, I agree most of what Lewis said I think that the one thing slightly different I mean I, there are supposedly two or three others that are interested in, but if they're all of the calibre of, of Hugh Jenkins because that's you know we've, we've been missing somebody of the calibre of Hugh Jenkins it's the sort of person we'd like to have owned our club from uh, you know, from for the good few years, and so we wouldn't have had to put up with what we've had done for, you know, we wouldn't have put up with um, De Chatelet or the previous regime at the end and, and the current one. Uh, if we'd have had somebody of the calibre of Hugh Jenkins to take over the club, who is a football man, I mean, he's been a football man pretty much all his life. So and, and did what he did with Swansea. Um, yes, he sold him out to the Americans, but he didn't leave him destitute, did he? Which mm-hmm. uh, which is almost the situation we find ourselves in. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I think we are in a strange proposition. No question about it. I agree with Lewis 100%. I think the slight difference uh, I've got is that um, Hugh Jenkins uh, would know that we're in a relegation scrap, uh, regardless of, of the, 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 the current pandemic. Um, if the crowd's coming in, they're an issue. But I think uh, our revenue, gate revenue, is is, uh, is not the biggest factor in our uh, in our survival or not. Um, if we were selling full houses and, and we were charging five hundred quid a season ticket, maybe you know for, for the company. But I think I think he's playing ball a little bit. That's my gut feeling. Is that um, he, he know even if we play again, we might still be relegated, and the crowds might not come back for another year. In fact, now my feeling is this is probably the best time to to try and buy a football club like this because. He's, he's more in the negotiating um, position, a stronger negotiating position, because he can say, well, hold on, no crowds, League One football, and you want 50 million, not a chance. So if you want to get it off your chest, you want to get it off your, off your hands and, and be done with it, then this is a sensible offer. Now, the problem we've got is that um, he's had people come at him like that before, <laughs> and, uh, and, and offered sensible money, and he's turned them down. So uh, we've got to hope there's some sort of change in tack there. Yeah, and that's, like I say, that's something, that's something we've been hoping for a long time. Uh, the, the only thing that is quite interesting, and I will come back to you, Terry, because obviously you've been talking about how Hugh is a is a football man and, and he did achieve a lot of Swansea. Um, but a lot of the Swansea fans ha- have been warning Charlton supporters about Hugh Jenkins after the way he he left the club. And you say this, it seems to be built around this sale to the Americans, and I don't think they're too happy with the way the American uh, group run the club at Swansea. That's my my brief reading of it. Now, do, I mean, do you think that, that there should be a case that I mean, we, we should be reasonably wary because when when fans of another club warn you off someone, it's some, sometimes you don't really know what to make of that. Because I, mem- I remember when Katrine went up to Sheffield Wednesday and obviously the Charlton fans were um, saying, <laughs> you don't know what you've got yourselves in, into. But the Sheffield Wednesday fans were at the time saying, well, you know, maybe Charlton fans can't be trusted. I mean, you automatically hope that whoever's going to come into your club is going to be doing the best for the club. But, I mean, is it wise that maybe we should heed warnings of other supporters who've had dealings with someone in the past? Oh, I think it's always wise to, to not be quite as, um, uh, how can we put it, uh, gullible <laughs> as if we have been in the, in the last few years. But um, I think the situation is totally different personally. I mean, I haven't um, read chapter and verse on everything about Hugh Jenkins but uh, it seems to me picked them up when they were at uh, you know, the bottom division in League 3 at the time and he, and he took them all the way to the Premier League now at that point then he probably I don't know exactly but uh, I'm, look, I'm thinking he's going to need more investment to try and maintain the position in the Premier League didn't quite work out obviously I think a lot of the Swansea fans seem to me to, to, to be upset that he sold them to the Americans who then lost their identity a little bit and they went from being a community club which they are in, in South Wales to, uh, to being more of a corporate entity and uh, and not caring as much for the fans and, I don't know, maybe ticket prices went up and, and everything that that entails to try and stay in the Premier League. So he, they might think he bailed out too soon and sold them to the wrong people. That's entirely possible. But you can't... I don't, I don't think you can wipe away all the good that he's done um, for that reason alone. But should we be wary? Absolutely, yes. But only more, more because of what we've been through rather than what uh, opposition fans may say. And we're sort of in a position where um, beggars can't be choosers, really. We, we're, you know, from where we are and where we've been in the last, I don't know what we're talking about, uh, getting up uh, seven or eight, ten years, um, it's uh, anybody with a football now who can pick us up and get us back to running as a sensible football club again, even if it's only in the short term, 
um, is uh, is good enough for me at the moment. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I love the phrase "beggars can't be choosers" because I mean that there have been a couple of names in the last in the last week or so, Ben. That that even us as beggars are very are getting very choosy about because I mean we talked about it last week, Lawrence Bassini. Um, you know, he, he had made, well, it did sound like last week that he wasn't going to progress with a deal. All of a sudden he spoke to Richard Corley early on in the week and said, well, he has a, he has a deal with, uh, and, and with Sky as well. He says he has a deal with, uh, with the, the owners for Charlton and he's going to try and decide whether he wants to go ahead with that or go back to trying to buy Bolton. Um, and then as the week progressed, it sounds like he's pulled out and Panorama have said, well, he was never going to buy us anyway. Um, but yeah, that is a case of because being choosers because no one I mean some some of the characters that come out and link themselves with our football club whilst we're on our, at our lowest ebb um it's it's amazing how these names keep popping up in football Ben oh yeah definitely it's like you'd expect the oysters to be linked with us next it was <laughs> like you wish sometimes you wish you don't have social media like where you had that uh Alan Nixon at the sun saying something um, and then there were rumours coming in about Jenkins and stuff like this, and you thought, well, please, I'd much rather Jenkins over Bassini. I mean, you think, what what are these people doing? Like, what, what is their goal in trying to own a football club? We've already seen you, like, Watford fans really dislike Bassini. Bolton fans don't want him there. I mean, can't he see that that's the case? I mean, what is his goal? And that, that, is, that is the, motiva- the, 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 the questionable motivations of a lot of people in football uh, and you know including our current ownership because we saw what happened when they when they came in is that no Ben no one no one really understands that they 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 certainly don't give the impression that they're in there for the success of the football club do they no it just seems I mean or have the ability to provide it either yeah I mean now with Southall and Nimmer like uh, what was their goal from the get-go because their relationship broke down so quickly to a point where they're like at like well Tanoon said he wouldn't pay in any money with Southall there and one minute you're setting up an enterprise to I don't know well they were saying all the right things to take us to these uh, big heights of the Premier League and all that and then suddenly their relationship had gone so you think well what was your goal at the start? Why has it broke down so soon? And, and with someone like Bassini, who's been involved with Southall before and involved with football clubs, um, and it just like, well, being Bolton, as I said, Bolton fans don't want him. Watford fans spoke so bad of him. And, and then we look at Jenkins, Swansea fans saying some bad stuff about him. But as you said, I think more like Jenkins reminds me of someone like Richard Murray now, um, I think if Richard Murray then was linked with another club, you'd have Charlton fans going, oh, no, you don't want him, do you? But if we look at Richard Murray's history at Charlton, I mean, it's a brilliant history. I mean, he helped save the club. Uh, he was great with, with curbs at the club and stuff like that. But recent years, it doesn't seem like Richard Murray's had our back as fans. So we look at that and think, oh, well, you, you wouldn't want mm. Murray. Well, Swansea fans saying that to us about Jenkins. So he seems like a more stable um, person to take the club forward where I really don't know what a Bassini or a Nim or a Southall's goals were because it's just not they're, they're not football people whereas yeah. Jenkins has kind of been there done that this is how you do it so it gives us more inspiration that this could be a more viable source yeah and that's a good that's a good uh, a good comparison there I imagine between Richard Murray and Hugh Jenkins because 
you know, as you say, I mean, Murray's tenure obviously started off reasonably well, but but now if you ask the majority of Charlton fans, uh, they they as you say, they would they wouldn't recommend him to to anyone else. Um, uh, I mean, before we just go into the Q and A that went out this week, Lewis, I mean, I've got got to tell the story because we're talking about why people want to see them themselves linked with football clubs, and there was this one name that came up. I put this story on Twitter during the week, but. Um, this name, I mean, I, I got I got DM'd on, oh, what day was it? Maybe Wednesday evening, I think, or Tuesday evening, whatever it was, the day before it all came out. Uh, someone saying, oh, um, I've heard about I've heard about a bid for the club um, that, that's sort of being stonewalled and being ignored. And I was like, okay, let, t- tell me a bit more. Um, but 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 the people making this bid want to really want want it known out there that they're trying to make a bid. They want they want the fans on side with their bid. So I was like, all right, try and find out some more for me and give me some details. And and this person found out the name for me, guy called Joe Caller, and I'd, I'd never heard of the name off the top of my head, so I stuck it into Google, and then straight away, like light bulb went <laughs> lit up above my head. Joe Caller, ah, oh, Gateshead, this, the team that got kicked out of their own stadium last season and sold all their players, and the fans were revolting, and and the, I think the staff were going unpaid. Okay, so why does someone like him? want to have his name linked with Charlton. So obviously I, I read that I thought, oh, I'm not getting involved in this, I just ignored it. And then the next day I, I always sit with TweetDeck open and I have the hashtag, the Charlton hashtag open just to see what's happening. And within 10 minutes, three different people all tweeted saying, oh, I'm hearing Joe Callers in for Charlton. Anyone heard that? And I thought, oh, that's funny, considering yesterday he was trying to get people to put his name out there. So sure enough, I did a little bit of searching into these uh, into these three accounts. Those three accounts had never mentioned Charlton ever. They had some sort of link between themselves, i.e. they followed each other or they'd spoken to each other. Uh, and and they were just blindly tweeting about it. I had a look. One of them was a former non-league goalkeeper, which is interesting because Joe Caller did have ties in non-league, uh, in, in non-league football. Another one was a brand new account. Uh, that I'd never seen before, and then put put the question out twice. Has anyone heard of Joe Caller? But the fact is, I mean, clearly this guy's got no link. The, the, the people discussing it have no link to Charlton. Someone, a uh, Joe Caller, for some reason, wants his name linked with the club. So there, there must be Lewis something in people thinking, well, if my name gets linked to the club, then I'll look important. So maybe that's part of <laughs> part of the motivation uh, for a few people. It's, it, it's just bizarre the world of football ownership. Oh, it really is, and, and as you say, you put that out to us in the week uh, in our WhatsApp chat, and I'd never heard of him. And when I looked him up, I was thinking, "Oh my word, <laughs> like, it doesn't come with a with a great reputation, does it?" And it's just, I don't, I, I'm similar to you. You know, I don't, I don't understand why people just see. It seems like anybody and everybody can can link themselves to a football club these days, and like the whole the actual passion for the sport and, and wanting to do well, you know, own a club and take it places just seems to be dead and just see the people are in it for the money or for their own their own ego or their own boost their own gains. That's that's the way I see it with Southall. There's no way at the you know, the start he came in all, all singing or dancing like fans all singing his name and blah blah blah. Less than a month later really, we were starting to get a bit cautious and concerned about the transfer window. And then after that, it went full circle, didn't it? You know, and you ain't got to go a couple of weeks further on than that. We're outside the valley watching him get taken out of the boardroom. So <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things. I was I look at it and think it's just there's so many characters like the Southalls, like the Joe Callers that they're they're in it just because they like the lifestyle. Like they just want to say they're in a football club, drive around in flash cars. They don't care. They don't care about fans. They don't care about how the club does. They don't get as long as they get their money out of it. I mean, the fact that they paid a pound for our club and they're trying to you know flog it for a million quid 
what's that, three months, you know, we'd all do that. If I'd have known that, we could have all put a quid in each and sold it, <laughs> taken on the profit each. It's just crazy. And it's it's upsetting to see because obviously it's more sensitive with us because we've had a, a rocky ownership under Roland for such a long time and the excitement that we all felt when that takeover went through. You know, we were all feeling optimistic. We were expecting a big January transfer window. And we didn't deserve the letdown that followed. And, and, you know, look at the club now, and it's an even worse state than it was when Roland was here. And we didn't even think that was possible when this ESI take, uh, takeover went through. So I don't, you just want people like that to stay away from the from the sport, don't you? And as we've touched on already, and Terry mentions quite rightly, that we're crying out for somebody like a Hugh Jenkins, you know. And, and all these like criticisms from the Swansea fans are things that, have followed after his tenure ended. You know, you don't hear a huge amount of things that they disagreed with when he was in charge. I think I think there was a, 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 a transfer policy that they weren't too happy with. But I mean, that 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 does tend yeah, to happen at every club, doesn't it? Clubs, but... Yeah, exactly. I mean, we know well, we're not happy that we lose some of our youngsters, but unfortunately, some of our players are going to outgrow. You know, Joe Gomez. We we weren't happy with the sale of that, but even under any normal ownership, Joe Gomez was always going to go to the Premier League. You know, things like that where where you think like you kind of have to give a little but yeah we're crying out for somebody that's got proper footballing experience and hopefully that's the person that comes in and takes the club forward and not another Matt Southall or a Joe Caller kind of character mm, yeah so I mean let's do, I'll just dive in quickly to the to the Q&A then that the trust had with and Mary Mihail and, and and it's interesting that this week and we'll hear hear more from Heather in a second um that the uh the, the questions have been opened up to larger fan groups now as well so uh, you know the, the, the different supporters groups the, the regional ones will be uh, invited to put in their questions as well so if you're a member of a group or you know someone in a group I'm sure you can uh, put forward your questions to the directors to find out a bit more but I, I'd say the main the main couple of points for me is uh, they, they couldn't um, identify uh, who the third party is involved in, in in the takeover at this moment in time um, uh, the, the, there's a, a drag through rule which means that because Panorama holds 65% of the, the shares in ESI um, and Matt South were only 35%, it means basically that whatever decision Panorama take, as long as Matt South was given the same price for his shares per share, um, then he has no way of stop of blocking a sale. He, he His shares are just dragged through as part of the sale. So that's important because, I mean, that is one way that, you know, Matt Southall could have dug his heels in if 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 he wanted to, but at the same time, you know, we see we seen Tanoon hasn't been entirely honest about this uh, this uh, takeover anyway, because he's been saying for weeks that the club wasn't for sale. Uh, when we now know that behind the scenes it's been going on uh, anyway, so th- that's some of the interesting points. And the other thing was the date, because of course. Um, uh, Matt, well, Hugh Jenkins' mate, and I haven't got his name, so I think he was a Dutch guy, former football hooligan, who had something to do with Swansea, was getting all vocal on Twitter saying, oh, tomorrow could be a good day. I mean, he's he's just turned out to be another bloody social media idiot, basically. He's promising stuff and hinting stuff to Charlton fans when he's in no position to do so, because it's become clear um, that the notice given to Matt Southall uh, for, for a sale was on Friday the 22nd and there's a, uh, was, there's, there's a, a 10 business day uh, rule which means uh, they, ha- they have to give that, that, that notice 10 days before anything can go through. So the earliest anything can happen is June the 8th. So uh, anyone who was promising it was going to happen tomorrow w- was wrong because of that because um, there, there, there's still this, this process or this waiting period to, to, to go through. Uh, there, the liabilities of ESI will remain the same following the sale, which means uh, you'd assume that any agreement with Roland currently um, will remain with ESI. Um, 
So when presumably if ESI are the, are the entity being bought, then that means that they'll still have that agreement, whoever comes in with Roland, although presumably they might be able to renegotiate that if they want to. And finally, the Range Rovers thing, which was just stupid. Apparently, there's still two Range Rovers out there, which at some point had been used by Mr. Southall and he hasn't returned voluntarily. So that casts uh, some major doubt on that Daily Mail story that Tanun Namir was gloating about the other day and it just shows that you really can't trust anyone uh, involved in this process because no one seems to be given uh, a straight answer right so the, the other interesting thing uh tell um obviously the the trust have launched their our club campaign uh this week uh we'll hear some more from heather in a few seconds but uh, an interesting campaign where people can put their name down um, you know, no money has to has to change hands or anything at this point. Just just put your name down to show that you'd be up for helping if it ever came to the situation where the club uh, has to be bought by the fans. And that's you know, we've seen Charlton fans come together over the years when various problems have come up, and this seems like the the first step in a, in, a, in a, another version of that. Yeah, it's uh, and it's a good idea. Uh, anybody, um, who, I, mean, I think the trust has got in the region of the two and a half thousand members paid up members something in that order um we played the fiver to as, as, to be part of the trust but this is as you say something completely different it's just that um to recognize your interest uh, uh, and say so, so if uh, if it comes down to it and uh, the likes of Hugh Jenkins doesn't get it over the line and uh, there is that uh, then potential for administration or the club uh, disappearing because it can't uh, uphold its obligations to the league then if there's enough members willing to I don't know I mean they, they, they mentioned the 40,000 at Wembley but if you even half that to, to twenty thousand, um, and if uh, if those twenty thousand can rustle up enough cash, <coughs> excuse me, to uh, to just do what Hugh Jenkins was going to do, and uh, and buy the shares off uh, off as you say Panoramic or ESI or however it works, then at least that's enough to keep us going. Mm, certainly right. So I mean, I, the 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 the. The, the new campaign came out during the week uh, and obviously I thought it'd be good to have someone then on from the Supporters Trust. So I spoke to Heather McKinley uh, this morning and asked her to tell me a little bit more about the R Club campaign. We launched it on Monday. I think people may have noticed at 16.54, which was the exact time that Bowers' winner went in in the 94th minute at Wembley just a year ago. And I think the main drive behind it is obviously the situation the club finds it in right now. I don't need to go into all the details for everyone, but obviously we're in quite extreme jeopardy. We're, we've got a mess of ownership. We don't really know what's happening with that. Um, ESI have given notice of, of the sale. The Valley is still under De Chatelet's ownership. There's other legal action pending from former directors, and we're under investigation by the EFL. So really all of those things combined, um, as the supporters trust, we've been very aware of the brewing situation, and we'd already started research actually you know, quite a while ago into well, what would happen if, as fans, we needed to step in and try and fundraise to help save the club. Um, we decided that now was the time to launch, given all of the things that are going on, and also the anniversary of, of Bauer's winner. And at this stage, it's really testing the water. We've asked people to sign up on the basis that we might have to take steps to own the club we love in future. So we're not asking for money at this point. Um, we are very much just trying to make sure that we've got people signed up who we can then contact should it come to it and should we need to fundraise in future. I mean, has there been a, a process in place? I mean, you, you mentioned you've done some sort of research into 
what would go into the to the fan zone in the club. I mean, how far along the process are you in that? And have you found that it it could be something that that we could achieve as Charlton fans? Well, we've done quite a lot of research into what other clubs have done, and two in particular that we've looked at quite closely and spoken to people involved are Portsmouth and Heart of Midlothian in Scotland. Um, both of those are clubs of, I would say, quite similar size and scale to Charlton in terms of the history and their fan base, so their average attendance, um, their overall catchment area. Um, so in that sense, we think they're the most appropriate ones to, to look at. In both cases, they stepped in and saved their clubs from administration, or once the club had gone into administration, and then helped the club to continue from there. Um, and in both cases, they did that pretty much in partnership with other wealthy people. In Portsmouth's case, they had um, the supporters trust raised about half the money and the other half came from a group of about 15 local businessmen called their presidents. And with Hearts, they've partnered with Anne Budge, who actually was, again, a, a wealthy business person in Edinburgh. She just sold her business and she bought the club out of administration, but on the basis that in time she would hand over ownership to the Foundation of Hearts, which is the, fan, the fans group. Um, when it comes to Charlton, I think people can think it's quite a scary idea. Could we own the club? And obviously the sums involved these days, the you know, tens of millions of pounds that are talked about, make it seem a bit pie in the sky. But if you go back, it's not necessarily as scary as we think, because when you go back to the most successful time in our recent history, through the return to the Valley, through the 90s, into the, the mid-2000s, the club was effectively owned by fans at that stage. Again, albeit wealthy business people. So I think we, we're we not totally daunted that it's completely unrealistic. Equally, we're very aware that yeah, there would be big challenges, but we just want to be as ready as we can. And it's as much about getting support from the ordinary, ordinary fans who you know, turn up to matches but who would hate to not have Charlton in their lives. Um, and through that, potentially, to also... You know, pique the interest of people who maybe have more substantial sums to bring to the table. So whether we're looking at, you know, if we do need to do something, whether we're looking at, at some form of outright ownership model or some form of partnership where fans have a stake in the club, we're very open-minded on on that. I mean, obviously, we've seen the power of a of a group that has plenty of members uh, signed up and. And uh, the, like I say, the power that brings because I mean the, the trust has been given this this place at the table to to ask the questions uh, weekly with with Marion Mihai. I mean, how, how useful have you found that process with, with the directors? Because obviously, I mean, you can you can only ask the questions, and it's it's then up to the, the current directors as to what the response is. Is, is there frustration at times that you, you you don't always hope for the clarity that that you are you are seeking out to see? Yeah, I mean, I think we we do our best to put forward questions. We've asked the questions from fans, so it's not you know they're not just questions from from the trust board, for example. Um, we try to pick up on the things that are most commonly being asked by fans and put to us that are of extreme importance about the future of the club. Um, it, we you know, put those questions on the weekly basis. Sometimes I think we have managed to uncover information and get insight that we wouldn't otherwise have received from them. And certainly around the process that's going on at the moment with the sale, I think in this week's answers, we've got quite a lot 
there um, that effectively it's not a certain situation. Uh, Nima has basically given notice of the sale of Panorama Magic's share um, and that he's given that notice to Southall on the basis that that drags him along in the sale. But who exactly the sale is to, whether or not it's 100% certain to happen um, all these things are, are still up in the air um, we know the club has actually asked for uh, contacted other supporters groups and asked for questions more widely this week um, and we're very pleased about that because it you know gives obviously gives everyone an opportunity to, to put in their questions um, and you know we'll, we'll continue to be part of the process in trying to understand what's going on at the club and that's that's really what we're aiming to achieve through through this line of questioning and it's I mean it is good that we are at least getting some answers on a regular basis from the club so that's far more communication than we had under the Chatelet for example yeah so yeah so thanks for joining us Heather just one more thing then so we just, we just need to point out how fans can sign up to the our club campaign Yep, if you go to the um, Trust website, www.castrust.org forward slash Our Club, or follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, and there are plenty of links. And it'd be brilliant to get as many fans as possible signed up. You don't have to be a Trust member to sign up. We're not asking for any money or anything at this stage. It's really just put your hand up to say you care about the future of Charlton Athletic, and you'd be ready to step up if we do need to take action. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across, Bowers there, pierces there, Bowers with a header, and it's Charlie! Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! The absolute German beauty! Woo! Dream lads! Charlie have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it, Charlie! Gets it! Come on! What a time to be a hero! Here at Wembley! Right, so welcome back to Charlton Live. Thanks to Heather McKinley there from the Supporters Trust who explained a little bit more about the R Club uh, campaign. So let's turn our attention now back to the football side of things. We're going to hear actually from uh, Lee Bowyer and from Jason Pearce. They spoke to Sky and to the club uh, respectively this week. So we'll hear from those two in a few minutes. But I mean, as I said at the top of the show... Ben, it, uh, noises seem to be on just on the media that it feels like more it's more likely now that the championship will play on. I don't know when the vote will be, but you know people go people paying for all this testing to go back and start training. I'd be surprised if they then say actually no, we don't really fancy playing after they've paid all this money. So it's looking more and more like 
games will go ahead. Is that is that the vibe you're getting as well, Ben? Yeah, I agree. I'm buzzing for it, to be fair. But um, I think the Premier League are trialling it, sounds like, by playing the two games mm. that, uh, that Arsenal Man City have got a game in hand. And uh, I think, is it Sheffield United, Aston Villa, from when they played the League Cup final. So they're yeah. going to play them first, see how they go. Mm. And if there's no problem with that, then... Can't see why we can't go ahead. Because really. yeah, it, because it, uh, it looks like Steve Gallen told the Athletic that um, you know Charlton will be aiming for the twenty. Was it the twentieth of, of June, which is the same time that the Premier, the rest of the Premier League clubs will, will, will start again. So that on paper sounds sounds like they they in sort of behind the scenes set something something in motion to start playing games again. So. It feels to me more like I mean we've seen it out in Germany. Obviously they've had a slightly different reaction to the pandemic than we have but um you know we've been watching these games on telly as well ben and it, i mean it's not the same sure but for for us as fans it would be nice to have some football back yeah it'll be fun as well having some summer football like to watch as well like put a tv in the garden sit out and watch it or something like that um but yeah it, it obviously isn't the same i was just watching sky sports news this morning and you got a couple of pundits on there giving their uh, Gabriela Bonhoeffer saying, I think some players will play better in an empty stadium. And then Mark Schwartz is saying, oh, no, I think the players will play worse because they buzz off the crowd. I mean, for us as a team, look, we as I think I heard Bowie say in an interview, I don't know if you got it on this interview, but where he basically says, like, look, we got a fully fit squad and we haven't had a fully fit squad for ages. Mm. So we're going to benefit from that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the the main one is um, we'll probably typically beat Millwall when no one's there. <laughs> yeah. So we can't probably enjoy it. But, look, as you said, it's going well in Germany. I think they're on their fourth game this weekend, back from the uh, from the lockdown. And I haven't read any reports saying, oh, this player's out today because they've got COVID-19. Like, seems like it's going well. And what was it, four, four people tested positive out of the EFL, out of the championship? Um, in the last testing and I think they're meeting again Monday to, to discuss like are we ready to push ahead now I think the next stage will be contact training I think because that's what the Premier League have now done so yeah look it's the only way we're going to stay up it seems to play so obviously, of course we want it to be safe and mm. the German League are showing us that it's going safely over there so yeah let's let's mm. go for it yeah and that is the relief tell because I mean we were talking to um uh, to to last week on the pod, I mean Tom and Nate got themselves riled up because uh, last week we were under the impression that well that's it we're done because the vote will go in and we'll get relegated. But it's seeming to me slightly more likely now, like I say, that the games will go ahead. So we have all of a sudden got this chance to to stay up, which is I mean it's big for us as a club. Um, you know, with, with the caveat that we we'd much rather it's make sure it's done very safely first, but. It gives it gives us a chance to play our way our way out of it, which it looked like we weren't going to get. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of people were jumping to conclusions. I mean, League Two just said, "All right, we're just going to call it a day." But nobody was ever going to be able to make a move until the Premier League decided what they were going to do. Because if the Premier League decide that they're going to finish the season and play it, and they're going to have promotion and relegation, then every other league has got to have the same, whether they play or not. Then promotion and relegation has got to filter down through. If the top league does it, it's got to. They've got no choice. So the fact, I think, that we've been almost uh, a fait complete, I suppose we've got no choice. We've either got to 
play it or uh, or we're going to get relegated. So from our point of view, it's the best case scenario. From a personal point of view, it's going to be really weird. I mean, to, to actually not be able to go and watch Charlton um, live is, is something that um, I haven't done for a while. So it's, that, that, that'll be a little bit strange. But um, you're right, I think, uh, and, and Ben's right as well. You know, it'll be in our hands. And I think um, with Bayer and the squad we've got, it's it's the best chance we've got to avoid relegation. Mm, yeah, I mean, we'll hear from Bayer in a second then, Lewis. But um, uh, we, we heard during the week that he said that three players hadn't come back to training. Now, I think, I've, judging by what they, they then said on the website, it sounds like uh, two of them have. Tom Ahmed had to get back from Israel uh, and Matt Smith was up with Man City at the time. And then it's just David Davis who's made the decision um, that he, he doesn't feel safe. Now, I mean, y- you hold your hand up. You, you, you can't say he's wrong for doing that at all, can you? Especially considering the, the, the extra effect the virus has had on the BAME community and, and he himself being part of that community. Um, and the fact he's on loan from a team, you know, he's on loan from a team in the Midlands, so we don't know where he's based at the moment. Is he going to have to be travelling up and down? You know, to be you, you, you can't really hold anything against him for making that decision. No, not at all. And in any other walk of life as well, if you know, we've all been sent to work from home and stuff because it's not we've not felt comfortable to go in offices during lockdown. And some people, even now, um, some of my friend group have are due back in the offices but companies are saying look if you don't feel comfortable then then don't and everyone's going to feel differently some people want to get out there playing some people might not want to put their families at risk and you have to respect the decision of individual players to be honest I thought we maybe would have seen more people refuse to play um, and I think that you know now it's down to sort of the one player I'm sort of really really impressed with the sort of the fight and the determination to go out there and do a job and try and keep us in the division from everybody in that squad but at the same time I also don't begrudge David Davis for for maybe not feeling comfortable to do so I think there'll probably be a few more conversations had with him to see if he changes his mind but if he doesn't then we have to accept that um, but in terms of the actual numbers you know, Benji touched on it there with the with the squads like when is the last time we had a fully fit squad you know Lewis, Lewis Page could be getting some minutes hopefully I really hope that he does for Stokowski like, there, there are so many players that seem to be out all the time that are now in and about and fit and you know to see Lyle Taylor training as well was a was a bonus for me I, I kind of I thought that he may be one of the people that didn't that wouldn't do it but he did and that shows that given his contract situation he's still got the fight to try and help us stay in the division and it's it's really impressive you know they're all doing it you can see that they're, they're doing it because they want to help Lee Bowie out and it shows the the respect that they have mm. for him and it's going to be paramount in our, you know, when if and when this season plays on, it's going to be absolutely paramount uh, that connection between Lee Bowie and the players are getting us out of this mess and trying to keep us in the championship because that's going to be not just essential for us as a club but also for any future owner as we discussed earlier on in the show. So mm. let's keep our fingers crossed that the football the football gets played and played out fairly because I agree with absolutely everything Tom and Nate said last week to to finish it. You either you either null and void it or you play the forty six games. You cannot end it after a certain amount of games and relegate teams because so much can change in that tail end of the season. People can get players back. People might have a, a leg of you know a run of home games that they end up stringing a run together. There's so much that can change. So let's let's hope that the season gets played out fairly uh, and that we we really you know knuckle down and, and get us get us out of this relegation fight. And let's hope we're a championship football club by the end of it all. 
Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, we're going to hear from Jason Pearce in a bit. Let's hear from Lee Bowyer now. He spoke to Sky uh, during the week after the players returned to training uh, and he was asked uh, how that return to training has gone. Uh, very good. Uh, successful day, really, with all the hurdles in, in front of us. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the safety side of things um, would work well behind the scenes and uh, that, that all came together. Came in, got tested yesterday and, and then we managed to everything we wanted to on the pitch so uh, yeah that no, was a good day. What was the process like getting in? Was it a bit longer than normal? Was it a little bit um, time consuming? No, an extra 30 seconds minute doing the, doing the swab, um, taking the temperature and that was it so uh, yeah it's, it's not that difficult. And the players responded well to it? Yeah it's, it's part of it now, it's going to be part of the routine for the next however many weeks and uh, yeah they took it on board, they realised what's going on and, and this is what we have to do to play. What was it like seeing everybody yesterday? I mean, I suppose you've been in contact with your players, but it's not the same as seeing them face to face and seeing what shape they're in as well. Yeah, um, it was good to see them. Obviously, it's been a long time. They were smiling in the beginning and then laying on the floor in the end. So, uh, yeah, but it, it was good just to have that camaraderie again and, and seeing everyone face to face. And so, no, it was good and, and they're all in good shape. So, um, yeah, over the moon. Did you want an intense session? first time you saw them was that part of the plan was it an intense session um, it wasn't too hard but it, it, it pushed them um, they've been running for I don't know how long now eight ten weeks or however long we've been off so they've had the odd week break here and there but yeah fitness wise they're, they're in a good place so now we've just got to get them used to the ball again uh, hopefully the contact thing will, will resume soon and then it'll be even better but yeah with the little groups that we've got at the moment it's, it's tough for them because there's only so much you can do with the small groups and it's always going to be intense because there, there ain't many bodies around so um, yeah but they've, they've took it on board they enjoyed yesterday and uh, looking forward to that Have all your injuries cleared up now Lyle Taylor included? All the injuries cleared up just before we, we finished um, our only problem was is getting minutes back into it because obviously once they come back after long injuries they're limited with like 30 minutes, 40 minutes and we had to build them up and just as we finished building them up it got called off so yeah they've all been fit for however long now so we're ready to go. Tough run before you before the enforced break you've dropped into the bottom three is this a chance to reset then is it almost as if it's like a new season? Yeah it's, it's going to be a nine game season now and um, teams who get the most points are going to remain in the division and, and I feel that we're, we're going to be ready once that starts and um, like I said we've got a full squad which we didn't have for a long time so um, yeah I'm looking forward to, to getting back playing. How confident are you that you can get out of the situation because it's very tight down there isn't it? I'm very confident I believe in the players that we have um, we've proven when we've got a full squad that we can compete with all the teams in this division so uh, we was in a bad place at, at one stage and, and that was just purely down to the numbers of injuries that we had um, and once we started to get a few back then we started to pick up results again. We went to Forest and, and got a good result you know, on, on a Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday evening so um, yeah we'll, we'll be ready and um, like I said I believe in the squad that we've got to get us out of this. In terms of what happens from now we're moving a step closer to getting those games played you've been vocal on it already. How important is it that the season's seen through to a conclusion? Well, I think it's, it has to happen because everybody signs up to a 46 game season. 
um, to finish it now would be wrong um, especially now we're back we're training we're testing so uh, I think now that we're testing and everyone's spending this money um, I think that would play a big part in it because otherwise it'd all be a waste I think that DFL have said that they, they want to finish the season um, it's important that we do that and and hopefully we, we, we'll follow in suit and, um, and manage to finish. Has it eased some of the stress the last few months of the ownership situation because that was getting very difficult wasn't it towards um, towards that enforced break? Yeah obviously it's a difficult situation but there's things that we can't control. Um, these are things that are happening behind the scenes and all my job is, is to focus on the football side and now we're back playing and well going to be back playing and, and, and training every day that's something that I can focus, the players can focus and, and whatever happens behind the scenes that will just take care of itself I'm sure. You're concerned about shed scheduling because I mean you're going to have to cram in a lot of games in a short period of time if you're going to have a, as little impact as possible on next season. Yeah that, obviously not having the biggest of squads that will affect us a bit more than, than others with stronger squads you know and that's just, that's just natural but I think the most important thing is to, to finish the season and we have to adapt and um, we've had to do that all season and, and this is going to be no different. How's the testing regime going? Have you had any more tests here in the last couple of days? Has anybody come back negative? No, no, we've, um, we got tested Saturday and everyone was negative and then we got tested yesterday and I've not heard yet but I'm, I'm guessing everyone's negative because the doctor said that he would let anyone know that if they was positive so uh, as far as I'm aware we're all negative again. Just finally, how was it for you over the last few months? Did it give you a chance to sit back and reflect on the season, reflect on your players and what you might have to do this season to stay up? Um, yeah, it's a long time to not do a lot. So uh, watch some of the games back, and see where we went wrong, where we made mistakes. And then uh, we've got time to, to put them right. So um, yeah, they, like I said, they're a good bunch of lads and, and they want to work hard and they want to learn. So uh, most important thing is that this club stays in the division and it's going to be in our hands. So we can't ask for no more than that. And it's going to break for Veta Kaley again in the area. Cross ball to Taylor! It's 3-1! And Charlton are running away with it here! Live. So there we go, Lee Bowyer there, uh, talking about the uh, return to training. He seems pretty pleased with how it's gone. Obviously, it's a very different situation for them now, Terry. It must be quite confusing. Uh, like, I mean, especially at the start when the players aren't allowed to be in full training, in contact training, they aren't allowed to give each other a high five, which I'm sure they like to do. It's all part of the, the team spirit. So it must it must be slightly weird the way they've gone back into this this completely different situation. But having been in lockdown for so long, I imagine for many of them, it was nice just to be able to to get back out there onto the, on, onto the grass and, and start getting involved with stuff again. Absolutely, absolutely yes. And uh, wouldn't we all like to be in that sort of position as well? But I think um, had, uh, had players, um, had our squad especially, not been through what we've been through, um, uh, most of them have been there for, you know, for the promotion through the playoffs, and at Wembley, and then even the new players have, have been through a decent proportion of this season together. So I think that bonding would have already been there. So I, uh, well, I think we're fortunate in that respect that they don't, you know, you're not getting strangers into the camp that you don't know, and so therefore that uh, that bonding isn't necessary. And I think 
Um, you know, playing behind closed doors, I think you mentioned earlier, is, is an issue. Um, but And I think, uh, especially for us, you know, the players have always said they feed off our fans. But you just get the feeling that, uh, you know, that the, the squad we've got and, and the people that lead them, you know, Bowie, Gareth, Jackson and, and all the backroom team, they've got this already um, between them. So they don't, you know, the crowd play an important part, yes, but you, you, you still don't think Bowie will let it get away with anything or, or you know, substandard performances. So... Um, I'm, I'm reasonably hopeful in that respect. Uh, it, it is a strange one, and, and I think that's, that's still decision might still have to be made by some of the players. A lot will depend on see how the Premier League go, and if there's any spikes in cases, or if there's any, you know, spike in the national case or international cases. Um, that still might change players' minds because you know you've got the likes of Jason Pearce, we just heard from. You've got uh, uh, George Lapsley. They've got uh, partners that are pregnant. You might have people living with slightly more vulnerable um, elderly parents. Who knows? So. There might still be some decisions to make as we go through the few weeks and before we even get to playing that, that you might see another few drop out and, and you wouldn't blame them one bit, especially if you get that spike. Nobody's necessarily expecting it, but it's not impossible and, uh, and I think we might still have to have a slight air of caution as to how we go through the next mm, few weeks. Yeah, I mean, in, and in terms of the actual football, Benji, I mean, how much of an effect do you think this enforced break will have? I mean, I know the club have been talking about trying to put together a friendly or two um, to try and shake off the cobwebs a little bit. But, you know, you go that long without playing. Pre-season isn't normally only two games, is it? So I, I don't know if we saw it a bit in the Bundesliga first weekend. It might it might take a couple, a couple of games really to, to to get back to your to your full your full fluidity on, on the pitch. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that hopefully these, these couple of friendlies that looks like Gallon said in the Athletic that we've organised will help us get up to speed a bit. But I guess we're all at the same stage. Um, all the championship teams may be a bit rusty and it might take us a while to get going. That, that was one of my theories. That, that might mean that form goes a little bit out the window and a team like Charlton who are sort of struggling a little bit down the bottom could end up playing a team who are doing well and maybe find them still still not at full strength. I mean, you see it in pre-season. I've seen us lose to Welling once or twice. You know, you, that would never happen in in, in a normal in a, in a normal game when everyone's in full throw. I mean, if everyone is still in this pre-season mode, Ben, I mean, I guess we could try and take advantage of that and catch a little a, a couple of teams a bit unawares. Yeah, definitely. And and as we go back to it again, with Boya saying we got a fully fit squad, and it's quite rare for us to have had that. And I mean, the Middlesbrough game was the last game we played. I mean, we all remember we didn't play very well that game and Middlesbrough were down the bottom with us and um, they took a vital three points off us and we didn't have many players playing in that game. And, and now if we're going into the next game, look, do you know what? Uh, reinvigorated, forget about the form before we've gone into this game. That means for nothing. It's like a new season, really. It's like a little nine-game nine tournament and... Come on, here we go. We'll start again, start afresh, and and with a fully fit squad. And a Lyle, Lyle Taylor saying he's going to play, I think that is a that's a massive thing for us because he's paramount to our team. And with Lyle Taylor up front, he can cause many defensive problems. And if they're a bit rusty, then hopefully we can take advantage of that. Mm, yeah, certainly. And uh, the, the the fact that we will have these players back, then Lewis, you know, remember how well we played at the start of the season mentally. That'll be a big thing. For the team, um, I mean that'd be great if we could return to that early season form and end up finishing about ten points clear of the of the relegation places, wouldn't it? 100 oh, percent, and then that just backs up the point that 
we had last week. You know, anything can change. And I, I know that, as we've said, the form's a little bit different. But at the same time, anything can happen in these in these divisions. And I think that I, I have every faith if we play this season out and we've got a fully fit squad. Yeah, they're going to be rusty, but I, we were so good at the start of the season. I was so impressed. Even even at Blackburn, when we were sort of a little bit bare bones then, because we hadn't bought in, you know, the likes of Cullen, and I think it was there were a couple of people we hadn't bought in by then, and we were sort of a little bit um, minimum when it came to when it came to the players that we did have, and we still managed to grind out a result up at Blackburn, and then from there we went on this really impressive run. Any anything can happen, and I I truly believe that we've we've got it in us to stay in this division and if the season gets played out it's the perfect opportunity for us to to sort of turn our fortunes around and then if we do stay up it sets us in good stead going forward for the future and I really I really do hope that that'll be under a decent ownership that can that can give us the stability we need to really kick on as a football club because you know let's let's hope this whole coronavirus pandemic and the scare of the season ending and and us get relegated again is the very is you know the last thing that we have to go through stress wise as Charlton fans, and let's let's hope that we can we can kick on as a football club, put the past behind us under an, under a new ownership, and and really really push on. That that's the dream, isn't it? So yeah, dream, I, I, dreams I, aren't always reality, though. No, especially when it comes to Charlton. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, we've been uh, saying, oh, we're trying to imagine how it must be like for the players uh, back in training. Well, let's hear from one of them then. Jason Pierce uh, spoke to what's left of the club's uh, media team uh, and was asked if he enjoyed his first day uh, back at training. I wouldn't say it was fun. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, it was it was obviously like good to be back, see all the lads, see all the familiar faces obviously we've been away for a long time really it's been longer than what we'd normally get off at the end of the season so it's been quite weird but no it was um it was nice to be back and see everyone and then obviously straight back to work really and speaking to the manager he said he was very impressed uh, in the shape everyone was in is that something that you noticed as well well i said that to the manager like we the, the stuff they've given us to do while we've been sort of in lockdown has been really tough to be fair so like We've worked since pretty much since day one, since we've we've been in lockdown, all the boys, and then we've had to send our data back to the club, um, to the fitness guys to show that we've been doing it and, and everyone's been doing it. So yeah, we are we've got a level of fitness, but obviously today and coming back now if we're getting the ball straight out and it's all the ball work now, which is a different kind of fitness. So um it's what we obviously need. So uh, yeah, no, it's enjoyable. How did you find that period of sort of working in lockdown by yourself, I guess, and, and- Finding the motivation to keep keep up that training. I I don't find it too hard. I've got quite, for me. I've got quite good self motivation. Um, I like working hard and seeing the the sort of gains you get, and and I, and I enjoy it. So yeah, like it was tough, but I didn't find it hard to motivate myself to get out there. One of the things I'm sure Charlton fans who follow you will have seen as well is some of the exciting stuff that you've been able to keep your family doing during during the time off. Well, the time off as well. How how was that? Been able to maybe spend a little bit of extra time with the family? Yeah, it was, it's been it's been great, really. Obviously, try and think of positives with with the current situation, and and that was obviously one being with your family a lot. Um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd get up most days. I'd get up um, early before they're awake, go out and do my running and and hard work, and I'd be back sort of after breakfast and and to have to be with them the whole day. So yes, yeah, obviously. Like I said, I think obviously a lot of people know I'm a family guy and I enjoy my time with my kids and my wife and stuff. So, yeah, um, it, was, it was enjoyable. 
And back to training, obviously, you're known as one of your, one of your strengths is how physical you are. What's it like sort of training without that physical side and without that physical element? Yeah, obviously, doing obviously a lot of the ball work without the physical side is yeah, it's difficult for me. <laughs> I, I like the physical side, um, like you say, like, like everyone knows. So I'm looking forward to getting back to being able to tackle and push people about. But no, obviously, it's, it's, it's important you get the touches on the ball and, and get that back because it's obviously it can't, it's, it becomes second nature, but also. Um, when you haven't kicked a ball for so long, you're a little bit rusty when you come back. So, yeah, the more the more we do, the better we'll become. And one of the things the manager said as well was uh, how how sort of positive the the team spirit seemed to be in the camp. Is that something you noticed as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, straight away, obviously, everyone's pleased to see each other. Obviously, we have to keep our distance, so we can't be high fiving. But no, everyone's everyone's pleased pleased to be back and. I think obviously everyone wants the football back on. Um, obviously the players, players, we, it's, it's what we love to do. So, yeah, we, we obviously want to play, but obviously you've got to be careful and, and uh, abide the, the rules that have been set out. But no, it's, it was great to be back and see everyone back. And yeah, I think everyone's looking forward to it. And there's nine games, nine games left. Is that all you're focused on at the moment then? Well, my focus obviously personally right now is just to try and get as fit as I can um, and try and be up for selection for the manager and not like everyone else really. But we know we, we have to stick together. It's going to be a tough, tough run in once the games start coming and be obviously a little bit different with potentially no crowds and, and stuff like that. So again, you've got to sort of motivate yourself to to, to do well as, as individual individually and, and as a team. So it'll be different, but no, we'll, we'll make sure we're ready and, and obviously bow and the coaching staff and fitness guys will make sure we're, we're physically ready as well. So there we go, Jason Pierce speaking to Tom Rubichaud over at the club uh, on his return to training. Good to hear from the skipper. Um, so finally, we talked about, we touched briefly on obviously what it's going to be like for the players, but Terry, you did mention it yourself, how strange it's going to be for the fans. Um, I mean, I, I currently have no idea what, what the situation is going to be for the media as well. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine there'll be too many of us allowed in, if any. So I don't know what our situation is going to be. So it, it's probably just as probably likely that we're going to be sat at home. I imagine the games will be streamed. Um, we don't really know what the fixture list is going to look like either. I imagine they'll try and stick it in the same order it was due to be in. But again, you don't know these things. Um, likelihood to be a fair few midweek games by the sounds of it. Um, so that's plenty, plenty of that up in the air but it, it will change for a lot of fans how they view games it'll be a case of sitting down and watching it on TV which is something that I mean a lot of fans aren't really that used to at all it'll be a completely new way to support the club it's going to be bonkers isn't it you're going to have um, and, and bearing in mind that the weather is, is likely to be that all the windows will be open so you'll have tellies on and grown adults and kids screaming their heads off <laughs> in front rooms all over the country well certainly over the south east um, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. I, as for the media, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think aren't the German games being commentated from, um, from independently home. from an, yeah. from home and from so the B, the BT places. Sport commentators seem to be doing it in their bedrooms, which they've somehow. Bedroom, yeah, but yeah, that's BT because they're they're an international broadcaster. Whether that's the same for German broadcasters, I'm not sure. Um, so it'll be interesting to find out how that pans out. But um, uh, but we're secondary. I mean, it, I, I, personally, I'm I'm guessing they'll have a generic. Um, one Sky commentator doing it from a studio in, in London somewhere um, and uh, and that'll be it probably and then the media and uh, reporters and local um, press will have to uh, just pick it up off the telly I'm guessing um, 
uh, that's that's my gut feeling with it, but I've not heard. Um, but the fans are the most important thing, and, and uh, as I said before, it's just going to be weird. I mean, <clears throat> I've um, I've I think I've only ever had to watch one game on the telly in the last X amount of years. That's because I was either away or on holiday. I can't remember, but um, that was strange enough. So mm-hmm. to have to put up with doing it, like how many games you've got left? Nine, is it? Yeah. Uh, nine games of uh, watching Charlton on the telly is going to be really weird. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, Ben, obviously you go to go to the majority of games as well, so you, you'll have to change it. One one thing, obviously, with, with the atmosphere being being non-existent at games with no one in the crowd, uh, some people have been talking about would they pump in crowd noise? I mean, do you think that would make a difference for you? Uh, no, I, I think that I don't think that would work. To be fair, but. Um... Yeah, I've seen some German games have put um, like Zoom uh, like crowd up behind. Yeah, and uh, or they've done cardboard cutouts. Obviously, Charlton can't afford to do any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's going to be strange. Um, I guess we've got to look for the positives. And as Ter- Terry said, watching it in the front room, sunny days, windows open, probably like smashing up the sofa when someone misses an open goal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look. We've got to play to stay up, so hopefully it stays safe and we're able to do so. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be strange. I don't know. It's going to be even stranger for you boys not being able there to commentate. So um, you're going to have to get a little crowd in. You could do a little Zoom call and uh, commentate to everyone on the game. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before you get to Lewis, I just I just got this impression now. The Sky have got that huge picture of Nathan still still about, haven't they? Oh yeah. Like five huge pictures of Nathan around the stadium now do it yeah that'll do it yeah. that, I mean that certainly will put off the opposition if nothing else because at least some of the Charlton players know what Nathan looks like already um, Lewis uh, yeah have you have you got plans afoot I mean I think I, I'm trying to work out so if, if we're at that stage where you're allowed six people in your garden social distance set up the TV in the garden set up like a massive amount of seats like six seats but obviously miles away from each other you could have a couple of mates in your house, possibly to watch it. Is that is that one way of doing it? I don't. Know. We don't know what the regulations will be like at the time, but. Well, yeah. I mean, that's my plan anyway. Hopefully, you know, a lot of my friends that I go to the games with all live fairly locally, so can set up the TV in the garden, sit sit two meters apart. I've got a drum kit upstairs, so I can bring the drum down and get the chants going. It'd be great. We'd set up a little, mm-hmm. like a little atmosphere. But yeah, the neighbours. I'm not sure the neighbours would be big fans of us when we're all <laughs> songs, but. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very weird. I do. I feel for you guys because, like you said, uh, Terry said, the commentary and everything as well. It's going to be. It's going to be really weird. Um, and I mean, I can't remember the last time I watched as many games uh, on TV for Charlton either. It's going to be really tough. And I just hope that it's only this nine and we can get back in stadiums as soon as possible because I know a lot of people are going to be missing Charlton right now. So, mm. but, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty in the world. And, and at the weekend, being able to go down to to Charlton, it's like a lot of people's escape isn't it like the stresses of work or life or everything you get to go and watch your football club in a, in a stadium every Saturday it's going to be tough for a couple of people so hopefully we can you know maybe we can, we're going to have the show on here so hopefully people can tune in and, and get a little sense of community even though we are going to all be watching it separately on the TV mm-hmm. um, and then hopefully it's not too long until we can get back down the valley and see everyone again and, and, and you know carry on supporting the boys but until then We'll have to just make as much racket as we can from home. Hopefully, uh, maybe all of you have to invest in some drums. We can get, <laughs> get, a, get a load of chance going. But yeah. yeah, it's going to be strange. But at the end of the day, as long as we can watch our football club play, whether it be on a on a screen or in a stadium, it's going to be great to be able to see them again. And I'll be cheering them all the way to to survival. 
Excellent stuff. Right, I think we should end it there. It's been another good uh, chat on live. I've enjoyed chatting to you boys. Thanks to, to Heather McKinley from the, the Trust who came on earlier uh, and to Lee Bayer and to Jason Pierce for their interviews. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't checked it out already, we released the fifth and final part of uh, Steve Sutherland in conversation with Keith Peacock uh, during the week. Uh, so make sure you go back and listen to all of those on your podcast feed. They're really, really fascinating about Keith's uh, life and career, uh, of course, uh, with the club. We also re-released the full commentary uh, from Wembley from last year on the anniversary on Tuesday. So if you want to reminisce about that as well, you can do so uh, over on our Charlton Live feed. Right, thank you to Benji, uh, to Terry and to Lewis for joining me this afternoon. Cheers, no worries, mate. Cheers, 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 boys. Cheers, Cheers. Stay safe. Excellent stuff. And I've been Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening to Live. We'll be back here next week uh, with, well, we'll, we'll find out what happens uh, during the week. Good to, good to speak to you guys, and we'll see you next week. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.